Tom Gerhardt and Dan Provost are the guys behind Studio Neat. On this show, we discuss entrepreneurship, product design, and all of the ups and downs that come with running a small business. I'm Mike Hurley, and this is Thoroughly Considered. So since the last time that we spoke, you guys have had uh, a, a relatively successful campaign on your hands. Yeah, uh, it's been nice. It's our biggest Kickstarter campaign ever. So that's cool. Um, who would have thought? That is amazing, right? Like I, I'm not surprised. I think because it kind of there there are ways where this kind of makes sense, but it could have gone either way. Right, like it was either gonna be like it was gonna go fine or it was gonna go gangbusters. Because, you know, this is your audience, these people have bought these pro- types of products from you before, which mean which could have meant one of two things, right? Like it could have either meant that it was gonna be a massive success or it was gonna be like a moderate success. But Or a failure. Or, or, or a, a failure. Or a failure. failure. <laughs> uh so I would like to know, Dan, how it feels to be sitting on your most successful campaign by quite a stretch. Yeah, I mean, aside from the obvious answer of good, it feels good, uh, <laughs> It uh, there's something kind of like uh, calming about it or like kind of anxiety reducing and that uh, I'm kind of like less worried about... Uh, you know, kind of our business and the the direction we're heading and stuff. And especially we have, we actually have like a couple more products that we're going to be releasing hopefully before the end of the year. Um, so it just feels good to know that we have like this in our pocket and it's going to be, you know, it's obviously doing well. And, you know, we expect it to like continue to be one of the kind of tent poles of our business as it has been for the last six years. Like it's, it's really nice and reassuring to know that we can continue, um, continue like staying in this photography space and maybe we'll come up with, you know, more products that kind of are tangentially related to it. So yeah, it's just, it's just kind of like reassuring and, and kind of calming in a way. Why do you think that this product has been a success? Well, I think one, um, because the glyph is like a known thing and, uh, you know, people liked the first one, I think that helps a lot. Um, You know, we can say glyph and people immediately know what that means in general, uh, instead of like trying to explain a brand new object or product to someone. So I think that's definitely part of it. Um, And, you know, I think people also, I mean, one of the things we really like kind of believe uh, at Studio Neat is that you know people really respond when you give them like a new tool or a new way to kind of be creative or a new way to kind of enable them to do stuff and so i think that's a big part of it is um you know i think the people who get that you know mobile photography is going to be you know a bigger and bigger thing um you know it hopefully kind of you know makes them think about oh maybe i could do this or that or you know uh, that sort of thing so i think a combination of those uh is why it's you know, been a success because, you know, we didn't do, um, we didn't do anything particularly different in terms of like the mechanics of, you know, how we approach the campaign or, you know, how we design the product. It's kind of our normal thing. So I think it's just more, you know, about kind of the product, the, the story the product is telling and, and that sort of thing, really. Like whilst we were talking about OB and everything that happened there, one of the things that you guys were, were kept talking about quite a lot was the effect that press coverage has um, on a campaign. 
this campaign was doing really well before it had a lot of press coverage. And then it did, to my eyes at least, get the kind of coverage that you were hoping to get, that Obi would get. How much of an effect, Dan, did this press coverage actually have on the campaign to your eyes? Uh, pretty substantial. Yeah, like uh, that's, and uh, I'll, I'll just add, that's one of the reasons that this campaign has been, like I said, really kind of calming and reassuring to me is we were doing quite well in the first two days, basically with zero press. So that, and I think, yeah, we met our goal even before we had any major press coverage. So that was like just super reassuring. That's like, okay, we can like do this and rely kind of on our own built-in audience. So I'm, I'm actually looking at the funding graph here that Kickstarter provides. And, you know, we had started to uh, taper off, like the curve had started to happen, um, you know, after the first couple days. Uh, and then that's when we got linked on Daring Fireball and it kind of created a new, like a secondary bump, basically. So that was cool. So we, we kind of got to have our cake and eat it too. And then it's like our own audience did its thing. And then like, you know, we got like the Gruber bump basically and and that uh, kind of changed the direction of the curve for a few days. So that was really nice. And interestingly with that stuff, you probably also now have more new people that are in your audience, right? Yeah, hopefully. Uh, yeah, I, after this campaign, we really need to sit down and figure out if we can, um, you know, how many new backers and like how the backers, you know, kind of spread out. I'm just curious to see, you know, kind of how many new we got and how many were original glyph backers, that sort of thing. Um, so that will be interesting to see when things kind of shake out. But yeah, I mean, you know, the story that I tell myself about kind of where we're going or what could be really cool about our approach is, you know, the more and more products we make and, you know, even if we go in kind of horizontal directions and different, you know, categories of stuff, yeah, we're just kind of hopefully building that audience. Um, and that, you know, th that's great. I mean, because we're staying small and yet building an audience, like, it would be really amazing, you know, in the future if we could, like, launch a product, like, and the only people we need to tell is our audience and, like, we don't, you know, we don't need, like, we don't need, like, press could completely disappear and it would, like, be great in, like, all cases. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it feels good. I'll, I'll be curious to see, uh, you know, what happens. But um, it's interesting. Like, I'm looking at these, num you know, these Kickstarter numbers and, you know, they tell you it looks it looks like about 40-ish thousand uh, right now of the, like, 176,000 raised came from, like, direct referrals, right, during Fireball or, you know, TechCrunch or Mac Stories or Boing Boing. Um, and so it's, you know, so that that's, you know, a significant part. Um, but it's not, you know, it's not like 100% of it. So, you know, it's, it's, it feels good. It feels good that it's like continuing to work. <laughs> like what seems natural to us, like still seems to work. So that's good. We're not like crazy. <laughs> so, you know, the, the, we're talking a lot about the, the dollar number, but I guess what you have is uh, backers and customers, right? And you have 3,841 backers right now. Do you know how many glyphs that is to make? Is it around that level? Yeah, well, yeah, um, you know, we will make more, like probably twice as many glyphs as we need to make, uh, just because, you know, the holidays are coming up and, you know, if we're already kind of making them, it just makes sense to kind of keep making them. And so usually what we do is we kind of spend all of the Kickstarter money 
uh, and just put it into like, you know, stock. Right. Um, so that's that's probably what we'll do. Um, and so, yeah, you know, we'll most likely make, you know, you know, eight or nine thousand or so, which is nice because that's a number that uh, it's a number where injection molding starts to really kind of pay off and make sense. Uh, if you're only making like 3000 of something, injection molding is like really painful because, you know, the molds, I mean, the molds in this project are going to be like 30 or $40,000 or something. And so, um, you know, it starts to really be painful if you're not making that many. And so now it's really nice that we're kind of in a comfortable range of injection molding. And so, like the product just makes more sense in terms of the manufacturing process fits the product and all that stuff. So that's really nice. It kind of takes some of the constraints off of what we get to choose as like the, you know, the manufacturing uh, process basically. And looking at how many have actually been ordered, is this amount, so you've got, you know, this, this like 4,000 plus the extras that you're going to make on top of it. Is this good or bad for the production process to have so many? I mean, in general, it's good for the reasons uh, Tom just stated. And just to give an, a specific example, uh, the wood handle, the wood uh, hand grip that we're making, it has uh, like a plastic kind of cap on top of it. Um and we had kind of like two plans to make that. If the quantity was low, like if we basically just met our funding goal and not much more, then we're going to basically like CNC that part. Basically, you know, take a brick of plastic and, and you know, cut it out, uh, potentially even on uh, the machine that's in Tom's garage. Uh, but because we're at like a high enough quantity, it makes sense to just injection mold it, which is really nice because the parts will be a little bit better and it'll be really consistent and faster and cheaper. Um, so it, it's nice. Once you hit a certain threshold, like you can start doing things that are just like a win-win all around. And we're not near the point where it would be too much and it gets crazy. So, you know, like if we were making a hundred thousand, uh, think things would maybe need to change a little bit like logistically and who our suppliers are possibly, but uh, we're nowhere near that level. So it's, you know, comfortable. We're not like in the kind of, you know, pebble range or something where, you you know, you had this plan, but you had to throw it out out the window because the quantities change and it just gets crazy. And, and, you know, honestly, what all that really changes is um, you just make bigger tooling. So, so right now, you know, the glyph, the mold that's making the glyph will probably have like two cavities. So, uh, it will make like two at once kind of, um, but you can make a mold that has like make 16 at once. Um, and so you just kind of go up the scale in terms of complexity with those molds. Uh, but yeah, right now it's, you know, it's kind of, a, it's a scale we're used to. Um, and it's, it's, it's nice. It's like fits really well with, you know, using a manufacturer that we know and that's smaller and, and that sort of thing. So what are you doing on the manufacturing right now? Like, are, are you is this work that can be done? What's happening? Considering that you know you don't have the money yet, that won't come until the end of the the campaign. So, what are you able to do right now? Yeah, there's t- uh, tons tons of work to do. So we just uh, kind of finalized. We hope finalized um, the digital files, three D files for the parts. So you know we we already had our manufacturer picked and kind of shown showed it to them before. Uh, launching the Kickstarter, but now we kind of went through the first kind of design review with them where they p- point out possible problems and then we revise the parts and then they're going to be, 
where the molds are actually getting fabricated in China and then they get shipped back to the United States where our, our manufacturer in South Dakota will make the actual parts. So there's kind of a lot of back and forth that needs to happen between our manufacturer here and then the uh, mold fabricator in China and making sure everyone's on the same page. So there's kind of a lot of planning that needs to be done for the next, and that will be in next several weeks, maybe even a month, is, is honestly just like a lot of design and planning around designing this mold and all that stuff. Um, so that's one aspect of what's going on, like kind of just kind of tightening up all the screws everywhere and making sure that because you know, what's going to happen is we will actually be making, they'll make the mold, they'll run parts, we'll be making modifications actually to that mold, to the parts to make sure everything fits well. So kind of planning for all that. And then, you know, we have this whole series of other, you know, the accessory pieces like the handle and the wrist strap that um, we can be doing, a. they don't necessarily require as much kind of upfront tooling. So we're, you know, making kind of... T- uh, finalizing suppliers for those and just kind of making sure the designs are going well. And our hope is that we can get a lot of that stuff out of the way um, quick uh, before the molds and stuff come back for the glyph. So yeah, there's a ton of work to be done. I mean, we're not going to need, we probably won't need money for another month, but what we needed in particular to do this work really was the knowledge that we are going to make it and that we'll be able to make it. So there's kind of this in-between period where, yeah, we don't need the money yet for Kickstarter, but uh, we need we need to be able to actually, you know, make a commitment to manufacturers, right? Um, so that's kind of what's happening right now is just kind of tightening up the screws and submitting POs and, and that sort of thing. Do the manufacturers understand Kickstarter and like that the money's coming and it will come later and that kind of thing? Did I get that? Yeah, I mean, our so the manufacturer we're using for the the glyph is uh, Premier Source, and they're actually who we have been using for the past six years for various things, including the original glyph. So they and the st- the story of us getting hooked up with them uh, is basically wasn't it like an intern or something? Tom like saw the original IT glyph guy. Kickstarter, yeah, an IT guy, and was like, hey. We, they're looking for an injection molder like we do that we should reach out to them uh and they they've been an awesome partner like they they totally understand kickstarter and 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 just get it and they get us and kind of our quality standards and what we're after so i i would say of all of our vendors uh they've been the best to work with for sure yeah yeah and you know in a lot of the I used to talk like, you know, I used to call these suppliers like secondary suppliers and like, you know, talk with them a lot and tell them the whole story and they to get them excited about it. But now, you know, I just kind of we, there's no story. I'm just like, we need these parts. Just give them to us and, and they'll do it usually. Why is this, Why did that change? Uh, mostly just because, you know, we've gotten a lot more comfortable with ordering things like I think we've submitted. I was just looking. I think I just submitted our 114th PO for ordering oh. parts. So, you know, we just um, we've gotten more used to how it works. And, you know, if, if it's a manufacturer where I know we're going to need to kind of have more of a relationship with them and, like, work with them to solve problems, then I th- some of that story will come in. But, you know, for a lot of the kind of secondary manufacturers, either we work with them before and we're just another kind of client to them and it's no big deal. Or, you know, it's just smaller and it's not as, you know, or it's more clearly defined so we know the parts will be easy to make, etc. So it just kind of depends. But yeah, I mean, that's definitely changed uh, a lot 
in the past six years of just, you know, the, the kind of way we work with suppliers. And it, it really runs the gamut just depending on how important or how tricky the parts might be. So it's kind of, it's always kind of like a political thing in some ways. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. And, and we'll definitely, I think we'll communicate, you know, to the backers like in on this show, you know, who those suppliers are and kind of get into more detail of what's going on there. Uh, so that should be fun. But yeah, at this point, we're still kind of selecting the last couple ones and, you know, farming things up. Okay, so where we are right now, you're like, a week of just over a week we can change away from the campaign ending and we're $176,000 backers do you think this campaign is going to get a lot bigger than this no i mean uh <laughs> like the the way it's trending right now is we're averaging uh between 1 and $2,000 a day right uh so i expect if this is anything like our other campaigns that will basically continue until the end and then the last day or the last 48 hours will have a little bump basically people who waited kind of get again at the last minute and people who set those reminders and stuff right like kickstarter can remind you Uh, yeah yeah i think so um so yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, there's maybe like an outside chance we could uh, we could break two hundred thousand, but wow. it'll it'll be it'll be somewhere in there, I think. Well, that okay. So two hundred thousand will be amazing, mm-hmm. and it's a fantastic big number. Will that mean anything specific? Like, is is hitting two hundred thousand a goal, or will it become a goal now? It's possible. Uh, yeah, I mean a little bit. Basically, for ego and nothing else. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it's funny. The more I look at Kickstarters, the more I really feel. I mean, I know why they don't, but I feel like the number of backers be really becomes the number that's important, and that's actually the number that's important to us. You know, like. The more backers we have, uh, just the more people we're introducing to Studio Neat, right, in a real way. And so, you know, for me, that's the number that I really kind of like to watch. And that's actually what I end up looking at now on other Kickstarter campaigns is just, you know, how many people did they get on board with this thing? Um, So, yeah, I mean, yeah, 200, you know, $200,000, it is like a line and it would be cool to cross it. But, yeah, it doesn't, it means nothing. (laughs) Yeah, because the, the the backer number is more interesting because it's the amount of people that you can that you can convince to do this to give you money, right? Yeah, exactly. Where maybe some of the other numbers, it's just based on how expensive your product is. Exactly. Yeah, and the number of backers is always the constraint, or number of customers we think we can get or launch with or whatever is always the constraint that changes the kind of products we can make. So, you know, when we're thinking about a new product, it's not like, oh, you know, can we raise, you know, X amount of money? It's, oh, can we get, you know, is there like 4,000 people or 2,000 people that would want to buy this thing? And if so, then we can use these manufacturing processes or this or that, right? So it's really, it is really about the number, you know, thinking about number of backers and, and, and how many we would need to make. And then that changes the scale of the manufacturing and what we can do for design and et cetera. So, that, you know, when I see these projects, you know, I'll see projects online that, you know, raise $400,000 with like 2,000 backers and it's like a, you know, a, like an electronic injection molded plastic object. That's scary to me because, yeah, there is a lot of money, but that but it's also going to be really expensive to make because they're not making a ton necessarily, right? So it, re- it really, I think, does come down to number of backers uh, a lot of times. 
when we started this show, right, we started it for a very different reason, and it was for a completely different product, a completely different Kickstarter. And, you know, we know Obi, the, the laser cat toy, you know, that that Kickstarter, unfortunately, wasn't a success. It didn't meet the the place that you guys wanted to meet with it, right? Like, it, you aren't, unfortunately, able to secure the funding that you were looking for. And I think that this maybe changed your view in 2016. You found out some different new things about the company that you hadn't quite known about before. And you, I guess, kind of reassessing things and... and, and looking at things a little bit differently, seeing what Studio Neat was going to be going forward. How has this product changed that from a perspective of understanding or confirming some stuff that you knew about your company, but also changing your outlook on 2016 as a whole? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. Um, I mean, I would say it's it's kind of confirmed what we were hoping was true and then uh like at least for me improved my outlook on 2016 so i guess the the hypothesis uh i mean there's a couple of different ways to look at it but for me it was basically like trying to not spread so horizontal and uh making products that improve upon existing ones or serve an audience that we kind of already know we have um and so with this campaign, that seems to be bearing itself out that 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 has worked. And so it makes me excited for the other two products that we're going to release later this year that we've been hinting at because they are uh, they're kind of a similar thing. They're, they're serving an, the audience that we already have. So I, I think after those two products are released and seeing how they do, we'll have a really good uh, idea of kind of if this hypothesis was correct um but so far so good and um yeah i mean i'm i'm super optimistic you know obviously the success of this campaign and then i I think the other two products are going to do pretty well also um so yeah i'm i'm feeling really good and tom well how do you feel about this from like an emotional level Is, is this kind of changed anything for you for what 2016 has ended up being well, as you know, I'm dead on the inside. So, yeah. uh, you know. <laughs> I can only assume what emotions are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I, um, it is kind of just, it feels like a load off. Uh, because, um, you know, it's been like two years almost since we've had a product that we're working on that we know will or has sold well (laughs) um you know it's not like gambling with our time basically and all that stuff so it feels really good to be working on something that like you know people want and that will sell and 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 like that so that feels really good and um it makes me excited about kind of what we we have kind of a chance and i think we're going to um kind of build a ecosystem in a way around mobile photography and some of that has to do with some software ideas we have and and so uh it's kind of fun to think about um where we're going and and how and kind of expanding kind of this mobile photography glyph world and see where that goes on the software side and hardware um so yeah i mean it, it feels good some part of me and this is like a dumb thing to bring up but part of me does think like oh can we only make Apple related products? Like, it's like, is that the only thing we can do that's going to work? But it's like the biggest. If you want to make accessories, it's like the biggest product in the world to make accessories for. There's 
millions and millions and millions of these devices. It's true, yeah. And so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it's silly. I mean, I'm we're, I'm excited about what we're going to be doing, but it does make me think, like, if this is the only thing that works, like, what does that mean? Uh, but, you know, I mean, we've also made, you know, like, cocktail stuff and other related stuff. But... Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm sure we are, we are both content to kind of stay in this world for a little bit, but, you know, I, I, I'm sure we will feel the pull, uh, at some other time to kind of go do something else. And so, um, we, you know, I, who knows if we'll be back in the similar spot again, but, uh, yeah, right now it's really great and it's exciting to kind of have, um, it almost it feels like a foundation, honestly. Like the glyph in this campaign, it feels like a new foundation we can build upon, which is really nice. Instead of you know, kind of guessing what uh, what what to do next. And I guess the difference being is like if if Obi hadn't had happened, then maybe this campaign would have just again like just said to you, we can do anything. As opposed to now, what you have, which is like, okay, we understand the area we can play in right now. Well, I think it's not that we can't play in other areas. It's just like easier to to do things here, just be, you know, for all the reasons Dan said. You know where maybe the gambles can be, and you know, yeah. like you know where you can put a lot of time and resource in. Like you know that maybe the next time that you guys decide to to break out to make something that's more on the the time scale of something like the neat ice kit as opposed to Obi, like Obi was such a big diversion from a time perspective and a manufacturing perspective that I guess it, it swallowed up a lot more of your guys' time, right? Yeah, exactly. I think I think if we, you know, what, we're going to do something, you know, like Obi that was kind of out there, um, we would, tr- I think, have a smaller s- scale at, or scope at first, and then if that worked, build build on it, right? And, instead yeah. of kind of going big. I, th- I think that is definitely true. Because it's sure. like the cocktail stuff. You guys know you can can work in that area because you had a product that was a success. Yeah. If you have a complicated cocktail product later, you, you're in a better position for knowing you can do that. So maybe yeah. if you were going to go into the, like now with the knowledge that you know now, you may have made a smaller pet related item before going to the big laser. Item. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, who knows? But if we get something we're real exciting about, we'll just throw it all out the window because we're we're rebels. But do you? Uh, I guess that's funny. Do you think that you will do that next time? Like, do you think? Do you think that maybe the next big idea you might be a little bit more cautious about? I would say that we. I think we'll be more cautious. But I feel like if we thought something that we were really excited about, I think we would probably still do it. I mean, it's hard to say because it depends on what it is. But you know, I think that's still going to be the thing that if we think it's a great product and we're really excited about it, I still think that's going to really be motivating i mean dan would you agree yeah totally i mean i think obi will definitely add some caution and honestly probably correctly uh but yeah if it's an idea that we're both uh super excited about and believe in then we would definitely want to do it Thoroughly Considered is a joint production between Relay FM and Studio Neat. You can find out more about this episode at relay.fm slash tc slash 16. And if you haven't yet backed the glyph on Kickstarter, you'll find a link on that page. Go get it.